Blog Talk Radio. this wonderful and snowy Monday night, my wonderful listeners, welcome to the show of shows that always flows inside acting. I am your host, William Powell, the man who can't be stopped. As usual, if you want to advertise on the show, email me at william400 at yahoo.com. And if you like the show and want to contribute to it, uh, send me some love through PayPal. That's william.4007 at hotmail.com. Also, don't forget to check out my fantastic column. I've got a column out there. Did you know that? DC Actors Examiner most easily found by Googling. DC Actors Examiner tonight. My guests are director, producer Robert Kinsey, who has worked in films. Oh, he's worked in comics. He's even worked in video game development. He is the award-winning director of the film short Subtle Poisons and part of the creative team behind the Dire Destiny series of graphic novels. And also on the show tonight, we've got my good friend, stage actor, singer, and retired pediatric dentist, David Birkenbilt. And they're on the show tonight to talk about the upcoming Swords and Sorcery fantasy film, Legend of the Firebird. And it's based on Igor Stravinsky's famous ballet, The Firebird, uh, which itself is also based on the same Russian folk tales from which Stravinsky drew his inspiration. Now, the film tells the story of Prince Ivan and Princess Serena and their struggles against Kachi, the deathless, wicked, wicked sorcerer. So let me go ahead and bring them in, and we'll go ahead and get started. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, hey. how's it going, William? Fantastic, fantastic. Thanks so much Thanks for, for having joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, yes, fantastic, yes. Okay, so let's just dive right on in. So now, Robert, uh, I know you have a background in Hollywood. How does developing an indie project differ from a Hollywood project? Well, Hollywood projects are, there's some similarities and some differences because uh, if you're going to be developing like a a small project uh, where your resources are going to be, you know, a little bit more limited, you kind of have to, you make do with what you have in a lot of ways. 
there's an old story about uh, Robert Rodriguez when he first directed his uh, his first film, uh, El Mariachi, where he knew he wanted to make a, an action film, and what he did was he basically went down and he made a list of everything that he could think of that he could get a hold of for free or no money, and he you know things like a turtle, a bus, a <laughs> guitar case, you know things like that, and from oh. that he developed the the entire idea from the ground up of you know how he was going to shoot his film. Um, yeah. You know, for a, for a large, uh, you know, for a, I used to work ages ago in development uh, at the production company of Paramount Studios, and you know, for that kind of thing, it was always about finding a property that already had an audience, uh, that already had uh, some kind of background to it, some kind of star power, some kind of appeal. So everybody was always looking around. What's the hot novel right now? What's the hot? You know, is there a hot stage play? Um, you know, and there were ideas that would sort of circulate all around town until everybody and their uncle in Hollywood had heard about the idea or had heard about the novel or had heard about the screenplay or whatnot. And then, you know, once everybody sort of knew it was out there and had an interest in it, then people would sort of start getting involved in it. Uh, but it all it always had to be sort of something that came to the table with some kind of uh, some kind of oomph, some kind of sizzle uh, behind it already. And in a way, I'm, what we're doing with Legend of the Firebird uh, is kind of a, a little bit of a halfway point between here and there. Uh, it's something that started with an idea from several years ago uh-huh. where I was, uh, I was uh, trolling around YouTube, actually, and I'm a big fan of you know, classical music of all kinds, especially sort of like the romantics and the sort of like right. avant-garde composers from around the turn of the last century. And I was uh, looking around, and I saw a production that was put on, um, I don't think it was the Kirov, I think it was the Bolshoi, who did a production of the Firebird that was done for television, I think. And instead of shooting it mm-hmm. on a stage, as you would in front of an audience, they shot it in a soundstage um, with, in a film style. So I was looking at the ballet, but performed as a film instead of as as you would look at a ballet on stage, you were looking at it as if it had been shot as a film. And I was looking at it and thinking, hey, there's a cool, you know, this could be, you know, a, an action-adventure piece because it, it does have right. a lot of action in it. Um, it. You know, you're tackling bad guy. He's got his hordes of faceless minions. You've got magic. You've got sword fighting. You've got the whole nine yards. And I thought, hey, that could be a really cool idea. And it's one of those things where I, I wrote up a treatment, uh, like a three- or four-page treatment sort of outlining you know, a way to make the story happen. Said, oh, hey, that's really cool. Ah, you know, there's no way I have the money to do that. I put it in the drawer. And it right. stayed there for a while. Uh, and uh-huh. so over the next couple of years, you know, I sort of like keep my eye out. And I've seen so many people doing so much with so little um, because the technology, for one, number one, the technology's improved dramatically just in terms of, you know, the cameras that are available the editing that's available, the, you know, the 3D effects that people can, uh, can do these days, and the fact that you can connect with artists easily online. In fact, a lot of the production team for Legend of the Firebird, we connected over the Internet. I would go out and, you know, for instance, for concept art, I'd you know, be looking at uh-huh. artists from all over the world who had stuff up on their DeviantArt pages or whatnot, um, I found a really great guy uh, out in, uh, I think he was in Michigan, and, uh, you know, he did character designs for us, and uh, another guy who's going to be doing, uh, you know, CGI effects, and he's in Poland, and, you know, people, the cinematographer 
you know, I found in Pennsylvania and just, you know, people from all over the place who are all right. sort of pursuing various artistic, uh, you know, pursuits and, you know, trying to bring all those people in on one project. So you've got sort of, on the one hand, you've got the sort of the high concept, which is, you know, kind of like how Hollywood does that. And on the other hand, you've got the sort of gathering of resources, which That's is That's right. Robert, let me, let, 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 David, David, uh, I'm sorry, Robert. Let me bring the, my David in. Let's let uh, David talk about his role. Well, uh, this is very interesting. I was I was online and I saw this ad for Legend of the Firebird, and there was a character that fit my age range, and uh, I answered the ad and I uh, got a call back from Rob or an email back, and uh, we did an audition on Skype. Um, that was a very again, different. Just, that was something that I hadn't done before. Yes, and uh, I had never done that before either. And uh, it was very novel, and uh, we did it. And uh, then he suggested that I send him a couple of MP3s because of the, the sound quality, which I, I prepared. And he said, come on in and let's take a look at you and see what we can do with makeup. And I walked into the studio and I uh, saw the makeup artist doing some beautiful work on the young woman who was playing the firebird. Uh-huh. And uh, I watched in awe for a little while and then uh, she took a look at me <laughs> and did stuff and I saw the picture of the artist concept and I looked at it and I, <laughs> I saw myself there kind of. <laughs> I guess there's something that Rob saw too. <clears throat> so Absolutely. one thing led when, to uh, another and yeah. we, we got uh, we got going on it. I was, and of course, I'm I'm a great fan of Stravinsky as well. So it was uh, it was a nice match. I have to yeah. say, when uh, we were looking around for the 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 character that David plays is Volkov. He's an old hermit, and in the uh, in the original uh, legends that the story is based on, um, Prince Ivan is helped by this old gray wolf. Uh, one of the things that we've done with uh, you know in adapting the legend to uh, you know into a film is to take some of those. Uh, fantastic characters like like the wolf, and instead of an, a wolf, it's an it's an old man who wears a wolf pelt. He's like an old hermit in the woods. Old Volkov, so he's kind of like a wise man uh, type guy. And uh, when I saw David's headshot, I was like, "That's the guy!" <laughs> Immediately, I knew that, <laughs> that he was the he had the perfect perfect look. And I was actually very very thankful because we've been casting around for a while and had not been able to find somebody who had the right look in the whole, like, the first uh, set of casting sessions had come and gone, the second set had come and gone, we still hadn't found Volkov, and then I just got David's email out of the blue, and I was like, hallelujah! <laughs> there he is. <laughs> well, I didn't know that I was like a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Now, David, talk about the relationship between actor and director. I mean, what do you look for in that relationship? Um, can, hold on just a minute. This phone is giving me some static. Let me pick up the okay. other phone. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, uh, so, Robert, we already talked about how you got David involved. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. talk about developing resources. It's, it's interesting you told the story about uh, Robert uh, Rodriguez and, and how he mm-hmm. used different objects that he could get for free and built a Sorry story out that. of it. It puts me in mind of like 48, uh, the 48-hour film festival they give you objects exactly. and they give you words and things like that, and you build a film out of that. So now talk a little bit more about uh, how you developed some of those those resources for that fantastic promo. That was a fantastic promo that David showed me. Yeah, and exactly. How can others, and, yeah. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you're you're actually one of the few lucky few people who have seen it because we're actually we're still uh, raising the money to complete the film right now. And then the yeah, and I was I was saw, hoping to show it to other people, but I figured that you wanted to keep it private for the time being. But I I just had to show it to Will since we would worked together before, and I thought he might be interested. Uh, well, didn't I have any idea that he'd be interested in interviewing us for his show. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, uh, I did release it to, to the cast because it, it, uh, we shot it back in May, and I wanted the cast to be able to, you know, see the, the result of their work and be able to show it to some people. And it's uh, what it was is mostly a pre- it's basically we put together we want to put together a proof of concept um, for the film so that we can I can show that to potential investors and get them involved. But in trying to get the resources together to to actually make a movie. Uh, you basically you start you know we started with an idea and when I came out to the East Coast from Hollywood I kind of like was starting from scratch as far as getting a, a network together of you right. know people that uh, you know that uh, that would be able to, to help me and be able to contribute resources and whatnot and I think the main thing is just to be kind of fearless about asking for things um, like for instance you know I was working on the promo with uh, with the cinematographer like Ooh, would it be really cool if we could get a horse and like do I know anybody who has a horse or one of my wife hey you know do you know anybody who has a horse well maybe I know somebody who has a horse and you know making calls and just you know not being afraid to ask around and say you know hey you've got a horse would you like your horse to be in a movie could we get your horse into a movie kind of thing and in finding a way to make that happen um, and it, it's also a matter of, uh, you know, thinking about, you have to kind of be a little bit mercenary, uh, thinking about, you know, people you know, your friends, your relatives. Hey, I know that Uncle Joe has that old car. That would be great in my movie. i got to go pester him about that. And you make a list of all these people that you need to basically call on the phone and make a nuisance of yourself to and, and uh, try and convince them that, yes, it would be a good idea for them to lend you whatever resources they have that you need. Um, Another great thing to do, which is something that, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, struggling back in, uh, in Los Angeles, is, you know, the Internet wasn't a big thing uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, now there's just so many resources online. And it's just, it's insane. Uh, you, you can get on there, you can find artists, you can find costumers, you can find cinematographers, uh, you can find prop makers and whatnot. Um, now, you know, generally, the people you find, you're not going to find a lot of people who are going to work for free and whatnot. And, you know, I, I generally don't like to have to, to ask people to work for free because I know what that's like having, you know, been through the grist mill back uh, out west. But uh, there's a lot of resources out there, and you'll find that, uh, you know, it, there's a really giving community out there. And if you treat them with respect and if you, you know, are upfront with people about what you're trying to accomplish and what you think you can do with it, then I think that you can get a lot of help. Absolutely. Now, David, uh, you were going to tell me about uh, the relationship between actor and director and what you look for in that, the, uh, in that relationship. Well, first of all, the monologue that um, he had me do, it just sort of... <sighs> It made made a lot of sense, and uh, somehow I, I found a voice for it, and um, it was it, it really sort of sort of came naturally. Um, and you know, it, it, you talk about being fearless. Um, I think you have to be fearless when you're looking for um, a character. And you know, I did it, and uh, I got some direction and some suggestions, and go back, and we do it three or four times with different suggestions, and eventually something happens, and that's what happened. Um, the other thing is that 
uh, I, I have to say, Rob, you have a tremendous eye for casting. I, I was blown away by the by the characters that you, the, the actors you chose for the different parts. I mean, the prince and the firebird and the princess, and uh, and um, and the evil uh, decrepit wizard Darren. Uh, and and to find the makeup artists and the costumers who did this incredible work, I, I was I was in awe. I had no problem sitting there for three and a half hours getting my beard put back on. Um, I, I was just really I was fascinated with the whole process. And you know, I, I haven't certainly haven't had the background. I've been doing this amateur stuff for about ten or twelve years, but uh, this this was uh, amazing and. Um, the promo that you showed me and also the rough cut that you showed me when you came and uh, did the voiceover at my home, I was blown away by it. I just, I, I, I was really impressed. I really well, <laughs> got you. a great talent there, and I'm, um, I'm, pr- I'm pleased to be part of it. You know, it's, it's a lot of it is the casting. I, I you know, I, I give total props to to the actors who were involved in the production, um, and uh, you know, I, I definitely want to work with them again. You know, the casting sessions that we did, I, I've been told a couple of times that I do casting a little bit differently than other people, and I don't know exactly what that means because I've never been on the other side of the table. Um, but uh, like what David mentioned being sort of like approaching the role fearlessly. And honestly, when I am, you know, doing auditions and I'm having people come in, that is the number one thing that I look at. I basically look for a couple of things. But the first one is that somebody who's going to be absolutely fearless about getting into a character, you know, who's not trying to win a scene, who's not trying to uh, necessarily, um, you know, who's not necessarily trying to impress me, but somebody who's just trying to, fearlessly just dive into the character who is not afraid to do anything that it takes to sort of explore the character, uh, you know, and who's willing to take chances and do offbeat things and who's not just going to sort of like try to be a leading man or a leading lady or something like that. And the other thing that I uh, look for in, in the, when, you know, when I'm doing an audition is that I always give direction during an audition, uh, and that is because I want to see how the actor takes direction. And, you know, how the actor will work with me and, and you know, how, how well the actor, uh, you know, how open the actor is to me and, and how open I am to them. And, you know, basically sort of try and, like, it's difficult, but, you know, in like 10 or 15 minutes to try and get a sense of, you know, what does this person like to work with uh, and, you know, how do they approach their craft. Hmm. Yeah, so now, Robert, talk a little bit about, uh, do you think there's any comparison between Prince Ivan and say Frodo from Lord of the Rings or Luke Skywalker from Star Wars. I'd say Ivan has a lot more Luke Skywalker in him uh, than anything else. He is uh, in our version of uh, of the story. He is uh, more of a reluctant hero. We had to develop quite a bit from the original story because uh, I've read a number of of old Russian folk tales, and the characters tend to be very one dimensional. And certainly in Stravinsky's ballet, the uh, you know the characters are one-dimensional because it's because it's a ballet. It's not you know it's not a dramatic story. It's all about the dance and the movement and the look, which is one of the things that makes it compelling uh, you know as a visual story. But in order for it to right. you know make sense of something that's going to draw the audience, and you really have to get those characters to be real fleshed-out people. So our Ivan is a very he's a young guy who's very untried. Uh, he's a third son uh, in a medieval Russian noble family and his 
eldest brother gets to inherit the, the family lands, and his his middle brother gets to you know go off and join the clergy. And Ivan is just pretty much looked at his family as useless. He doesn't get anything. He you know his you know his family's not that wealthy, and Ivan basically has nothing. And so he's being married off to a princess. Uh, who he barely knows, and he's sort of like facing his future with trepidation, and he, he's very down on himself at the start of the film. Uh, you know, sort of like seeing himself as, uh, you know, sort of like a good-for-nothing, uh, and sort of like buying into, you know, the, the, uh, the, the view that his family has of it. But then, you know, in the course of him trying, you know, going to this arranged marriage, uh, he gets involved in this whole uh, situation where uh, the girl that he's engaged to, Serena, her father, uh, is attacked by this sorcerer who has an old grudge against him, and there's a whole backstory going on there um, to, that uh, that he gets involved in. It's sort of, and that's his call to action, basically. That's his moment to, to sort of like stand up and say, you know, I've I've had I've fallen into this terrible situation, and I can either slink off and be the good for nothing that everybody thinks I am, or else I can finally take life by the horns and try and make something of myself. And uh, the other part of, of the story, of course, is that I wanted to make it something of a love story. In the ballet, you know, Ivan meets uh, a princess, and she's not even named. In the legend and the, uh, and the ballet, you know, this, this, wow. it's, it's that old, it's that old world sense of she doesn't, she doesn't even have a yeah. name. She's more of a, have she's a, more name. Of a quest yeah. item than a person. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the story. So we had, to, we had to really, really flesh her out and, and, you know, and sort of find right. out who she is and, and why Ivan would fall in love with her and why she would fall in love with Ivan. And that's one of the, actually one of the cool things that we sort of developed into the, uh, the story was that, you know, maybe they're not, you know, it's not love at first sight, but they're two people who sort of have to get the measure of each other and uh, who become friends first and who, who sort of, uh, you know, come to respect one another and come to rely on each other a little bit over the course of the story uh, before, you know, instead of just sort of like instantly falling, you know, in love with one another. And, you know, she gets to be her own person, where we, we kind of, like, made her actually a little bit of a nerd, uh, to tell you the truth. She's something of a bookworm, and we, we kind of, you know, our, our defining characteristic of her was that she's a policy wonk. She's, <laughs> the, um, uh, you know, sort of like a medieval version of a policy wonk, where she, you know, she selected Ivan because he came from the right part of Russia, and he's going to be good for an alliance for her family. And, and so she's got this sort of, like, very academic notion of relationships and marriage and, and whatnot. And so she has to sort of come out of her shell and, and realize that, you know, she's about to get into a relationship with another human being and not, you know, and not a kingdom or, or a principality. And so she has her transformation that she goes through over the, over the course of the, uh, of the play as well. And, uh, mm. and we have a, I think we have a really good beat too on, uh, on uh, Katshai the Deathless where he is a, uh, you know, he sort of has a method to his madness as to why he's the bad guy and and exactly you know what his obsessions are. So I don't want to give too much away, uh, obviously. And then obviously the story is, you know, we are still we're in late development. Where we're basically you know we're trying to get the fundraising together to finish off the film. Uh, but, right. Uh, you know, we I don't want to talk too much about it because obviously things are still uh, subject to change at this point. Right, right. So now, David, uh, I understand you spent a lot of time in the makeup chair to become Volkov the Hermit. Now, what did that process involve? Well, it involved, um, well, first of all, I had the I Got a Costume, and uh, the, cost, the costumer worked me over, and uh, 
And then the basically it was putting on this long beard and hair over my uh, my current hair uh, a little bit at a time and um, it was it was tedious but uh, when I saw the results I just I was really amazed it was it was just a lot a lot of hard work but the uh, makeup artist is truly an artist I mean she was uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Kim Reyes, who's the makeup artist. Uh-huh. Did a fantastic yes, job. absolutely, and uh, um, truly an artist. It was it was not just dabbing on foundation and and a little powder and a little paint. I mean, it was really something. And and I just have to say that uh, to find your Firebird Elise um, mm-hmm. with that bright red hair and the makeup that she put on there, I mean, it was just an absolutely stunning job. On a on a very lovely woman, and uh, and with with just the right attitude from what I could see, it was beautiful. Anyway, I'm I, I'm I, I'm I'm really I enjoy doing the job uh, or doing the part, but I enjoy watching the process. And when I see something that is really high quality, it really it turns me on. I really love I love to be part of it and love to see it happen. The hardest thing about it was eating the Chinese food with that beard. <laughs> um, I was thinking to myself that I had uh, that evening I had high fiber Chinese food. Oh man! <laughs> but it, wow. was, it was all right. It was all right. It was worth it. It was worth it. And uh, and uh, I know there's an awful lot of sitting around and waiting in the preparation. But when we finally got to the the fire and sat around the fire pit and did this this acting and. It was it was one of the most satisfying things I've uh, pr- projects that I've ever been involved in. David had yeah, a ton of patience for 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 sitting there and and having uh, his face worked on. Him and uh, Darren Markhart was the the uh, fellow who played uh, Cachet the Deathless, uh, and both of them had to spend a very very long time in the makeup chair. We were shooting at a park uh, for uh, for the promo, and there was like a there was like a little league game going on at a baseball diamond nearby. Uh-huh. And these guys, while they were waiting for their calls, they were getting made up. And uh, while they were, you know, taking a break, uh, they went over there and they started scaring the kids in the bleachers. <laughs> yeah, we we both had the experience of coming out of the men's room and encountering people that were going in and just watching the double take. <laughs> I just said, oh, look, I, I'm not really this guy. I, we're doing a film. And a few minutes later, <laughs> yeah. they were over at the at the tent where we were getting made up and asking questions. And then Darren, I think he had a lot more guts than I did. He went over to the little league and started talking to those kids. It was it was it was uh, a little bad. I wouldn't have wanted to meet Darren in, in a in a you know in a park restroom <laughs> when he was wearing that getup. He you know looked like some sort of deranged, crazy hobo with weird eyes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, amazing. I mean, I yeah, think you his, can put his, that on the, uh, the outtakes. Okay, gentlemen, we're down to about uh, one and a half minutes. So now, Robert, uh, tell us how we can find more about uh, your movie online, and then David, uh, tell us how fans can uh, keep up with what you're doing. Well, uh, as far as uh, the, the movie is concerned right now, there's it's not quite ready for public consumption. However, if there's anybody out there who's got some money, they want to invest in a film, give me a buzz. Call me at... Uh, well, you can write to me, uh, send me an email at diredestinybooks at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to uh, see a little bit of my writing, there's an ongoing uh, webcomic slash graphic novel that they can read at diredestiny.com. Um, 
and I also uh, I'm involved in writing uh, game books for the Pathfinder game, which is uh, probably something I don't think a lot of your audience would know a lot about. It's a role-playing game. I'm an old you know I'm an old school geek, and uh, so I'm involved <laughs> in Dungeons and Dragons. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so and uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me regarding writing or directing or anything like that, it's uh, diredestinybooks at gmail.com. Okay. David? Well, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I I, I look for look for uh, shows that that uh, are that that want me and that I want them, and if we make it, uh, I go and do it. I don't really publicize myself that much, but um, usually I put a, I put a posting on my Facebook page. But you know, <laughs> this is a retirement career, and I like to think it keeps my brain active. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've done and a my body. Shows yeah, and I've done a couple shows with you, and uh, I can attest to that. It really uh, really kept us both on our toes. Yeah. Great, great, great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, best of luck. I'm so glad you called in tonight. I'm really excited about the movie. I want to have you guys on again to talk about uh, this movie as it uh, moves on in its development. I'd be more than happy to do that. would be great. Yes, and yes, nice talking you. to you again, Rob. And I'm going to go look on your website for that that graphic novel. Oh, awesome! Thanks, David. And William, thank you All very right. much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, All right, you're welcome. Anytime, anytime. Okay. Good night, David. Good night, Robert. Good night. Good night. All right. Bye. Bye. And let me leave you with this quote from Matthew 9:29. According to your faith, be it unto you. Good night. Thank you.